0: So, um, people ask me all the time about like, who my favorite you know, worship bands are or worship leaders are. Uh, Brother Andy knows. Um, there's a, a young lady that, that I love listening to. I love her heart. I love her voice. Um, she's an incredible singer. Her name is Meredith Andrews. And Meredith Andrews has a song. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's called Spirit of the Living God. I want to just read part of these lyrics that she has written that she sings, Uh, she sings to me while I'm running. It's so awesome, right? I, I have a playlist, and this is one of the songs on my playlist, and I just worship when I'm out there running on the road, you know, looking up at the sky and looking at the trees. The name of the song is Spirit of the Living God, and it's based off of one of the scriptures that we are going to read tonight. Listen to what she says. She says, Spirit of the Living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word because when you speak and when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, and it changes what we seek. I love those lyrics. Spirit of the living God, move. Move in me. Change me. Change the way I see and change the The Way I Seek is such a powerful worship song, and it's based on Scripture that we're going to see tonight. Um, It is the Spirit of God, Spirit of the living God, who gives us understanding as we read the Word of God. Listen, it's not about how many degrees you've got. It's not about how fast you can read or uh, how many words you can process in in your mind. It's all about the Spirit of God opening your mind and opening your heart so that you can truly understand what God is saying. And again, these aren't my words, it's God's. Listen to what He says. This is Jesus talking to His disciples. Uh, I don't know if I put this on your handout, so you might want to write it down. It's John chapter 14. Verse 26, listen to what Jesus said. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. That's Jesus, right? That's that's not Jeff telling you something. That's Jesus telling you what the Holy Spirit will do in your heart and in your mind. He will teach you all things. Listen to this. Paul has already told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. One of the most important responsibilities that the Spirit has in you and me is to give us understanding as we read the Word of God. To give us understanding so that we can know what God is saying, why God is saying, and how to apply it. So that's the Holy Spirit's role in your life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what Paul does is he points believers to the Spirit of the living God. To the spirit of the living God. Paul also shows the believers the difference. And this is going to be critical tonight. Paul shows the believers the difference between the old covenant, which was law, and the new covenant, which is grace. Now you know Paul, he does this a lot, doesn't he? He talks about the difference between law and grace. As a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago when Brother Jeremy and Brother Andy and I were teaching out of Galatians, that's what it was all about. We are not children of law. We are children of grace. The grace of God through Jesus Christ is what changes us. It's the only thing that can change us. And so that's what this letter, uh, especially this chapter, chapter 3 is all about. He is pointing believers to the spirit of the living God And he's showing them the difference between law and grace. Old covenant, new covenant. So let's jump right in. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at the first six verses. The Bible says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, when he says like some people, he's talking about the false teachers. He's talking about Judaizers. And I'll explain that in just a minute. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. And listen to this. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, I could probably take a couple of hours and and try to dig into these six verses. But for the sake of our time and the context of the entire chapter, I'm going to move kind of quick here. First of all, it was the false teachers who boasted in letters from people. That's what they did. They carried letters around of recommendation to prove who they were. So false teachers, they boasted in letters from people and they continued to rely upon laws written on stone. These false teachers, especially Judaizers, they believed that Christ was good. Some of them even believed that Christ was the Son of God, but they also said the only way to be saved is not just Christ, it's Christ plus the laws. You see the danger there? They're saying you could be saved by law. When when God's word is clear, there is only one way to be saved. And that is repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ by the grace of God. That's it. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's just Jesus. That is the only way. What did Jesus himself say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say except through the laws and me. He said, except through me. Jesus is it. And he's it. And so, more than likely, these Judaizers or groups like them, what they were doing was they were seeking to influence others, Jews and Gentiles, to live by the law for salvation. And, And Paul, again. I told you this earlier. 2 Corinthians is Paul's heart being poured out. He is heartbroken that these young believers are listening to anyone, anyone preach Jesus plus. He says, if it's not just Jesus, you don't need to listen to it. And so, what does Paul say here? Paul boasted in the works of Christ, he didn't boast in letters of recommendation. He boasted in the works of Christ and he relied on hearts changed by the Spirit. Hearts changed by the Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, that's the only heart change that will happen. It won't happen because of your works. It won't happen because of law. It will happen because the Spirit of God is in you. Hearts can only be changed by the Spirit of God. I love Dr. Warren Wiersbe. He's one of my, my favorite... Uh, commentators, and I love his commentaries. Listen to what he says in his commentary. He said, it is the ministry of grace that changes the human heart. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God and then writes the Word of God on the heart. The test of ministry is changed lives, not press releases, not statistics, and certainly not letters of recommendation. It is much easier for the legalists, which are Judaizers and false teachers, it is much easier for the legalists to boast because they can measure their ministry by external standards. How tragic that the Corinthians followed the boastful Judaizers and broke the heart of the man who pointed them to Jesus and brought them the gospel of Jesus that rescued them from judgment. So do you understand why Paul is heartbroken? He's heartbroken because he gave them Jesus. And he told them, all you have to have is Jesus. And then here they come, right? The Judaizers and these legalistic false teachers, they come in and say, well, that's pretty good, but you also need to be circumcised. You also need to do this because the law of Moses says this. And they just kept pointing to all of these laws, over 600 of them. To be exact. The only way to be saved is to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. this. Paul, his heart was broken. And he tells us right here, right, in verses 5 and 6. He tells us that it is the law, right? The law that reveals our sinfulness and condemns us to death. You might say, well, Brother Jeff, how does the law condemn us to death? Because how many of us can keep all of the law? None of us. So guess what the requirement of breaking the law is? Death. So Paul makes it very clear that the law reveals our sinfulness and it condemns us to death. It is the Spirit of God, on the other hand, who leads us to repentance and gives us life. It is the Spirit of who gives us life through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the message of Paul. That's the gospel that he's still proclaiming to them. So he keeps going. Look at verses 7 through 11. He says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily, At the face of Moses, because of its glory, transistory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transistory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. So let's let's be real clear right here, okay? So when Paul preached, right, grace, not law, Paul was never saying that the law was bad. He never says that. He never says that in any letter that he wrote, that the law is bad. He just says, the law cannot save you. The law cannot save you. And the law was given before Christ came. When Christ came, he fulfilled that law because we couldn't. And so we no longer rely upon the law. We rely upon Christ. And so I want you to understand right here, Paul did not deny He did not deny the glory that came with the law. If it comes from God, it is good and it is glorious. So he wasn't denying the glory that came with the law. Rather, what he was doing was he was emphasizing, right? He emphasized the unsurpassable glory of God's grace in Christ. And Paul said when you look at the two glories, the glory of the law, can't even be compared to the glory of Christ. That's what he was saying. And so we need to make sure we understand that. He was not discarding the law. He was not saying it was bad. He was just pointing to the fulfillment of the law who is Jesus Christ. His life, His death, and His resurrection. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. I share him a lot with you as well. Listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says in his commentary. He says the law... Merely hinted at the glories that would come in Christ. He perfectly fulfilled the law. Because nothing can replace or supersede His work. Christians can live with hope. And they can be bold when testifying to others. That's what Dr. David Jeremiah says about Christ. And the glory we have in Christ. You see the law that God gave the Israelites, through Moses. It was never given to save them. He never gave them the law to save them. Listen again to how Dr. Weersby explains it. He says, sadly, there are so many people who cannot feel spiritual unless they carry the weight of guilt that comes from law. It is the law that produces guilt and condemnation for it is like a bond of indebtedness and if you want to write that scripture down that's colossians chapter 2 verse 14 the law right is like a bond of indebtedness colossians 2:14 it is a guardian who disciplines galatians 5 or 4 1 through 5 and it is a yoke too heavy for us to bear that's galatians chapter 5 verse 1 It's also repeated in Acts 15, verse 10. And again, if you need those scriptures, if I go too fast, you just let me know and I'll give them to you at any time. So think about that. Paul is making sure these believers understand you do not depend upon the law for salvation. Only Christ can save you. You fully depend upon the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the glory we have in Christ is unsurpassable. There will never be another glory as great as the glory of Christ. And that's what he's talking about here. As a matter of fact, he makes it very clear that the glory of the new covenant, which is grace, he says it is eternal. It's an eternal glory. While the glory of the old covenant, which is law, is temporary. It's temporary. So it is the spirit of the living God who transforms sinners into saints. It's the spirit of the living God who imparts righteousness. Did you hear Paul say that? It's not the law that gives righteousness. It's not the keeping of the law that gives righteousness. It's the trusting in Jesus Christ. It's the spirit who imparts righteousness. Nothing else. No one else. Dr. Tony Evans says this. He says, Any attempt to return to the law and the old covenant for righteousness or for transformation is a spiritually backwards step. I love that. He says, In contrast, it is the new covenant who transforms sinners into saints and they endure forever. See what God does to your heart through the Holy Spirit, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when He changes your heart of stone, right? When He takes that heart of stone out and replaces it with a heart of flesh, that's eternal. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change what God does to you and to me when it comes through the Spirit. The law can't do that. Only God can. It's the Spirit of the living God that indwells you, that gives you understanding. You can understand what God is saying. It's the Spirit of the living God that will convict you of your sin, but He won't leave you in conviction. He won't leave you In bondage of indebtedness, you know what he'll do? He'll turn you to repentance. He'll lead you to repentance because the Spirit of God knows that when you repent, when you go to God, right? And this this is scripture, but when you confess your sin before God, God is faithful and just to do what? To forgive you. And not just forgive you, but what else? To purify you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good? Look, the law can't do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Why would we trust in anything else? Why would we trust in anything else or anyone else? Only trust in God. I love what what Paul is doing. He is pointing them to Jesus. He is pointing them to the Spirit. He is pointing them to God. Listen, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Just as Jesus is God in flesh, the Spirit, right, is God. Jesus is God. The Spirit is God. And that's what Paul is making sure they understand. So watch how he finishes this chapter up. This is so good. Because we've been talking a little bit about Moses, haven't we? And we've been talking about law and grace. And we've been talking about glory. And how glory, in one sense, is temporary when we're talking about law but it's eternal when we're talking about spirit. Paul explains himself. Watch this. Verse 12. Therefore, since we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites. Look at this. To prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their, do you see what he says? Covers their hearts. So important. But when anyone, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, again, I taught you a little bit this morning, what does that word turn mean in the Bible? It means repent, right? It means to turn away from one thing you've been doing, one thing you've been trusting. It means to turn your back on it and move toward God and trust in God and rely upon God. Nothing else, no one else. And so he says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil is what? taken away. The veil is taken away. And it says now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all I love that. That three letter word is a big word. A-L-L That means Jew and Gentile. That, That means people that he was talking to and people that would be living way past him. It says we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from, does it say the law? It doesn't? What does it say? It says from the Lord, who is what? Spirit. Wow. Let, let, let's backtrack for a minute, okay? Let's talk about Moses. Moses. He says in this passage of Scripture that Moses wore a glory. Moses wore a glory that was fading, and he veiled it. Now, I'm going to point you to Scripture, obviously. If you want to look at that passage of Scripture, it's in Exodus. Exodus chapter 34 is a good passage to look at, okay? If you'll remember, Moses was meeting with God. You remember that, when God was giving him the commandments? What happened to Moses physically because he was in the presence of God? Say it again. Yeah, his face, right, lit up. (laughs) And you know what it lit up with? Anybody want to take a guess? With the glory of the Lord. It sure did. And do you remember when he came down off that mountain, how did the people respond when he first came down? Woo! It's too much. It's too much. Right? And so what did Moses have to do, right? He had to veil himself. But what Paul tells us right here, what Scripture tells us, what God tells us is that he also veiled himself continuously because guess what was happening to that glory? It was beginning to fade already. Isn't that that amazing? They had the law right there. They had the law. And what was already happening to the law it was already beginning to fade of its glory. That's an incredible, incredible passage of Scripture. Verse 13 reminds us that it was the end of what was passing away. Dr. Weersby, he goes on to say this in his commentary. He says the law had just been given to the people and they were not ready to be told that this glorious system was only temporary. That's incredible. Mm. So Paul, what did he want them to know? I'll tell you. Paul wanted the believers to know that there was transforming grace available to them. And it was the transforming grace of the Spirit and it was for everyone. Listen to that. It was for everyone who believed. The transforming grace of God was available to everyone Who believed. This was a gospel of grace that Paul was preaching. And he was preaching it to the Jew. And he was preaching it to the Gentile. I love that. Love that. See Paul, he tells us right here. He understood that minds were dull. And hearts were veiled. Until what? The people did what? Turned. Right? Instead of relying on the law. And instead of relying on a glory that is fading, it says they turn to the Lord through the Spirit of the living God. This was a bold statement Paul was making. A bold statement of truth. Just as Jesus is God, the Spirit is God. And Paul says, it's the Spirit of the living God. The living God. And so... He finishes it this way and what a way to finish. He tells them what the result of the Old Covenant is. The result of the Old Covenant ministry had been bondage. That's the result. Again, how many of us can keep all of the law? I would even say how many of us can keep half of the law? I would even be so bold to say how many of us could keep even a third of the law, Right? Have you, have you looked at all the laws in the Old Testament? Have you ever done that? Like, like intentionally went and read all of the laws? Good luck. That's all I can do. Good luck with that. Paul says the result, right? The result of the old covenant ministry was bondage. But, oh, thank God for grace, amen? Because he says the result of the new covenant ministry brought freedom freedom in the spirit. let, let me say this okay and I now I believe it because of the scripture. God wants us to be obedient to his laws. God wants us to be obedient to his commands but God never intended his laws and his commands to save us. if that's the case, why did Jesus come? I mean, if you can answer that question to me, then I'll I'll backtrack and I'll try to figure it out again. If God ever intended the law to save us, why Jesus? I know that sounds simple, but there are people that are still struggling with that today. They're still struggling with that. I'm going to tell you, we are only saved by God's grace Through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Salvation is not dependent upon me or you keeping a law. Salvation is dependent upon repentance of sin. And faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Salvation only comes through Jesus. Nothing else. No one else. The spirit of the living God. I love this so much. It's the spirit of the living God. Who writes God's words on your heart? Writes God's words on my heart. And I want to obey his commands. I want to obey his laws because of love. I I want to do what God tells me to do because I know that he loves me and I just want to love him in return. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, If you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey my commands. That's what Jesus said. How many times do we say, Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. But then we just do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, and however we want to do it. It's that struggle, right? The flesh and the spirit. I find that I'm more of a Burger King man a lot of times than I am a spiritual man. I find that I want it my way right away. Right? I find it in my prayers. I even find it in my prayers. So many times, whether intentional or not, so many times, you know what I'm trying to do with God? Hey, God, would you get on my page? Hey, hey, God, I think this is going to be better for me, so God, would you do this? And God, by the way, I need it today. Anybody else find yourself praying like that sometimes? I'm just going to tell you. I'm a Burger King man a whole, whole lot more than I should be. Thank God for the spirit, amen. Because it's the spirit that says, Hey Jeff, you want to work on that prayer? Hey Jeff, you want to check yourself? It's the spirit of the living God inside of me that says, Jeff, maybe you need to, maybe you need to repent. Hey, Jeff, maybe you, you just need to stop thinking about yourself and think about others. I thank God for the spirit. You know what else I love about the Spirit of God? It's the Spirit of God that helps me know, not think, know that I'm a child of God. Because I'm going to tell you, if the Spirit of God is not convicting you, that's a big red flag right there. If you have no conviction in your life, we got a problem, Houston. we got a problem. Because it's the Spirit of God that convicts us. But remember what I said earlier. The Spirit of God is not going to convict you and and drown you in guilt. The Spirit of God is going to say, yeah, you're guilty, but guess what? God loves you. Get up. Turn away from that and get to God. See, it's the Spirit of God that leads me in repentance. And that's why I believe Paul says it's the Spirit who gives us freedom, right? Freedom to live. I want to end with these two statements. Actually, one statement and one question. I I see two important aspects in chapter 3. Two very important aspects in chapter 3. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, uh, I didn't see this word. And and that's okay. That's okay because I didn't see that word either, but I sure felt it. Paul proclaimed two important aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, victory. 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 You couldn't keep the law, but guess who did? Jesus. So guess what you got set free from? The penalty and the bondage of sin that you were reminded of through the law. See, God gave us the law to remind us <laughs> that we need Him. And we can't live without Him. That's what the law is. It's a reminder of how good God is and how desperate we are for him. And so I believe the first aspect of what Paul was preaching in this message is victory. And the second, oh, it was obvious glory. Glory, right? Glory that is unsurpassable. It's the glory of Jesus Christ that dwells in us through the Spirit of the living God. Have you thought about that? Have you, I mean, have you really thought about that? Like you are glorious. Why are you glorious? Because you got the Spirit of the living God inside of you. And, and so you should be able to demonstrate that. What did Paul say? Paul said, Oh, Moses had to veil himself because of his glory that was passing, right? His, his glory of the law that he was wearing. It was surpassed, it, it was being surpassed. As a matter of fact, it was fading because it was temporary. But do you understand that the glory that is in you and on you is eternal? I mean. You are God's ambassador on earth, right? That that means you represent God and His kingdom wherever you are on this earth and He has put glory in you. People ought to see Christ in you. People ought to see Christ through you. People ought to see Christ in me and through me and that is a glory that is unsurpassable. Think about that for a minute. That's what you carry around inside of you. That's what we carry around in us. The spirit of the living God. So the question, right? The question that we all have to answer is, have I surrendered my heart? Have I surrendered my heart to the spirit of the living God so that I can live, right? I can live in the victory and the glory of God's amazing grace. You have been set free from the penalty and bondage of sin through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Why would you live? Why would you live in bondage when you can live in freedom? Why would you live in defeat when you have victory in Jesus? That's another song, huh? That's another song we can sing, right? But I don't want to just sing it. You know what I'm saying? I want to live that. I don't want to just sing it in church and go, yay. No, I want to go out there and remind the enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, hey, I got victory, buddy. I got victory in Jesus. How many of us are living in bondage? How many of us are living in defeat when we can be living in victory? When we can be glorious. Mm, what a good passage of Scripture. we only three chapters in. We've got a few more chapters to go.